Today, we're going to continue on our series on the spiritual gifts. I believe that they're all for today, every single one of them. Uh, we call them the charismatic gifts or the sign gifts. The charismata is the title that's on your bulletin. It's on the bulletin because I think that it sounds cool. But the charismatic gifts, these sign gifts that, that some of our brothers and sisters say have stopped, that stopped in the first century. And I just don't believe that. I don't believe it for a couple of reasons. One is because I think we need the power of God in our lives, in our own personal life, and we need the power of God in the church today. Absolutely, we've gotta have it. Like the church needs to be marked by faith, by love, and by power. We got to have the word, obviously, right? The whole thing is centered around this objective truth. We have to have the word of God. But the Bible also says, by word and deed, or word and power, meaning that this has got to be real. The best way to prove the Bible is to actually say, uh, the Bible says that your sins are forgiven. Now get up and walk. That's how Jesus demonstrated his word. He declared the word, and the skeptics did not believe him. And he says, well, get up and walk then. And the guy got up and walked. And I think and I believe in all my heart that if we are to say that this is the word of God, we have to back it up with the power of God. That sounds kind of, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is the way that I think. So I do believe that all the gifts are for today. Today, okay, let's get your Bibles out, and we're going to look at, um, there's nine, sometimes some people say seven. I'm not interested in arguing which is which. Um, but they're in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 8, we have the nine gifts of the Spirit. To one there is given, through the Spirit, the message of wisdom, and to another the message of knowledge. This is going to be next week's sermon, by the way. We're going to go over words of wisdom and words of knowledge next week. To another, the message, excuse me, uh, by the same Spirit, to another, faith. So we can actually get an increase, a gift of faith, a supernatural gift of faith. Faith is what got you into God's presence. It's basically what it is by grace through faith that you've been saved. But there's other dimensions of faith. And maybe you need faith for the next season. So that's going to be another su Sunday morning is that uh, topic of faith. By the same spirit to another, the gifts of healing uh, we're a healing church. We believe in all the healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, uh, emotional healing. Uh, we believe that Jesus comes to our emotional rescue and not Mick Jagger. Ah, see, I got at least one. Okay, here we go. Um, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Talked about prophecy last week. And to another... The distinguishing between spirits, or your Bible might say discernment, discernment of spirits. That's our topic for today. Distinguishing between spirits or spiritual discernment. And what in the world is that? I think it's vital. I think it's crucial. Here is the reality that doesn't necessarily seem like reality. The reality is, is that you are all sitting here in your physical bodies. This is a tangible place. But the reality is the spirit world is just as real as this tangible world. It is. 
To be, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord or to be in the spirit. Uh, we play this down quite a bit, especially in our Western culture. Our Western culture, we get this from Plato, unfortunately. I'm nerding out on you, I'm sorry. But we get this from Plato, that there's a separation between the real and, and the spiritual. I got some really good news and maybe a little bit of exciting news at the same time. We as Christians, we are supposed to be walking in both worlds at the same time. And we don't. But the spirit world, the spirit realm, I told you we're going to have fun today. You have to turn on your imaginations for a second. The spirit world is real. And I get it, I argue it's just as real as this world is. We are so close to being in the spirit, a walking in the spirit. We are ridiculously close, even if you're not even geared towards these spiritual things. Maybe your wife is. That's just the way that that ladies are. They're just more in tune to the spiritual thing. This is the way that God created them. And, you know, typically guys seem to be more rational and, you know, more logical in their approach. And they just, you know, we just don't buy into every moment of intuition or, you know, impulse. And that's fine. God made you that way, too. Uh, There's both. But you gotta realize, I mean, I want you to think. Think rationally about the spiritual world. It is real, it is true. And you are so close to being in it. Even though you feel like you're just you know, punching your time clock and this is just everyday life. No, you are so close. Actually, you are literally a heartbeat away from being in the spirit. You get hit by a bus, you are in the spirit, right? That's how close we are. But we don't live our lives as if we were in the spirit. But God is calling us to do both. And so we are going to try today. And we're not going to do any weird, you know, uh, I'm not going to make you get up and dance and chant or anything like that. No, I'm going I'm to engage your mind. I want you to say, okay. God, how do I walk this week out? How do I walk it out in the spirit? What does that really look like? And how do I, how do I distinguish between spirits? The important thing about understanding that there is a spiritual world is that you have to see it. You have to see it in your spirit. You are, you are made up of three parts. You're made up of the body that's sitting in the chair right now, and you're also made up with, I don't know, these crazy thoughts that are running through your head. Your emotions, call this the soul, your character, your drive, your will. This is all soulish power. And then underneath that, so you got your body, then you got your soul, and I don't know, all this the stuff that goes on in your head. And then deep down inside, there is the true you, which is the spiritual side of you. In your heart, whenever the Bible refers to the heart, it's not referring to, you know, what we think about on Valentine's Day, that, that heart. No, the heart is the, it's the house of the spirit. It is the spirit. You have a unique spiritual DNA. It's going to live forever. Your spirit will go on forever. That's kind of exciting, right? Here's a, your spirit will go on forever. Uh, It will either go on forever in the presence of the Lord or your spirit will go on forever not being in the presence of the Lord. You get to choose that one. You get to choose where you want to go. That was, that's kind of heavy, right? 
Yeah? But for all eternity, this thing that we call spirit it goes on forever. And we even believe that God's going to restore these physical bodies, even though bodies like mine don't need restoration. They could just keep on going like this forever. But it is, you're gonna, if we're going to be made whole, this whole death and decay thing, is this going to go away? It's, it's going to be awesome. Whatever heaven looks like, it's going to be awesome. And I'm arguing that this side of heaven, we can actually see it. We can hear it. You can actually hear heaven. If you take the time to break out of your mundane life of just physically trying to get through, you can get these glimpses of heaven. So God actually wants us to see in heavenly realms. It's actually really exciting. It's exhilarating to know that there's another world beyond this one. And that world is actually sometimes here. Some, we're in it. We're, it gets, it's difficult. Now, the thing about the spiritual world, it's neither good nor bad. But there are good and bad things in that spiritual world. Just like in this world, there are good people and there's bad people. And you need some common sense to figure out who's bad and who's good. You guys got that? And you do, you understand it, right? You've been a lo- if you've been in this world long enough, you know who kind of has good motives and whose ambitions are out of whack and you can't trust them. And, and sometimes it comes through experience, right? You trust somebody and then you get burned. You get, they, they take advantage of you. And you begin to, as you begin to grow and mature in this material world, you begin to understand and see the signs of people that are trying to manipulate you, to take things from you, or to even physically hurt you. There's just certain areas that you don't go into because they're dangerous. There's certain parts of Los Angeles that you don't want to wander into. Right? Likewise, in the spiritual realm, there's certain places that you shouldn't wander into. So in the spiritual realm, there's good things and there's bad things. And what, what Paul is telling us here in the describing the spiritual gifts is that we are required to be able to discern not only what's right and wrong inside of this world, but also what is right and wrong inside of that world. Because that world is what is actually driving and dictating because we are, God is spirit and we need to be able to see him with our spiritual eyes. You guys having fun with this? Yeah, okay. So, let's see. Do I even need my notes? I don't know. Okay, yeah, this is, this is kind of fun. Uh, discernment, spiritual discernment, I think we get this one mixed up quite a bit. Spiritual discernment is not intuition. Spiritual discernment is not your gut feelings, right? You ever have a gut feeling and it turns out to be right? Yeah, isn't that cool? But if we could rely on, if you could just rely on your gut feeling because you're always right, uh, chances are you wouldn't be sitting here, you'd be sitting in Las Vegas. Right? So if your gut feelings were always right, you would be playing the lottery. You'd, there would be just, there, you just, that's just our human nature. 
what tends to happen is we have gut feelings, most of them are wrong, and then we get a few that are right, and therefore we think that we're brilliant because we got one right. We got one out of ten that one out of ten gut feelings are right. And then we just think, you know, I'm so awesome because I followed my gut. Okay, this is another thing that we do as our as our culture, specifically young people. Just ready for this, just follow your heart. That one's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, most of us are decent people. Most people in the world, I think, are decent people. And it, it's probably safe that most people follow their heart. But what happened when Hitler followed his heart? Right? This is where it gets a little bit dangerous. And so we just, um, yeah, I, I, you know, the things that are in your heart, Again, it's probably not quite accurate. The things that are in your soul, does that make sense? The things that, you're, that drive your emotions, the things that make you excited, uh, we have to put those in check. Okay, so here's, here's we're, let's just boil this down. Inside of your mind or inside of your soul, maybe even inside of your spirit, you've got three voices that are vying for your attention. Maybe four. I know, it's like spiritual schizophrenia, Right? But don't worry, I'm not promoting schizophrenia. This is reality, this is true. Inside of your head, you've got God's voice. I say four, because maybe you even have angels that are speaking to you. Uh, Yeah, we're one of those churches. We believe in angels. We believe that you can actually see them. And so this is like actually my heart's desire for you that, are, that, that have actually gotten and received this spiritual gift of discernment. Man, many of you have. I think our, our church is unique in that it is geared to attracting people of spiritual discernment. What do you think? Do you guys feel like you, you, you've got this? I think that you do. I think that there's something unique about our church's expression, and I think it's locked up in this area of discernment. That's why you guys are all really cool. That's why uh, the spiritual gift of discernment, I think people that, that tend to be more introspective and introverts, they are very strong at this gift. Where prophets are just like off the hinges, extrovert weirdos, right? But you're not. Sorry, is that... Prophets are not weirdos, I'm sorry. But I, I, want, I, I want to actually validate you because a lot of us have this spiritual gift of discernment or the ability to discern spirits, yet we, all, we don't understand what to do with it. We've never been trained in it. We know it's there, but we don't know where to go to flesh it out. So this is the purpose of this message. Like, you guys can be so impactful the way that God has created you because he's given you this spiritual gift. I see a majority of you have it. That means that we're going to be a healthy, powerful church if we tap into this, this gift and we use it. We, if, we, if, we're like, if we don't get duped. Okay, so one voice that's in our head is God's voice. Or angel language, right? Angel language. God, the messengers from God speaking to us. And when you, when you begin to hear those voices and you begin to see in the Spirit what God is doing. Some of you have had this experience where you can actually see what God is doing in somebody's life or in a specific environment or in, you know, God, you just like, I, there's something really powerful going on there. In that corner, I can actually see God moving. You can't explain it. You can't, you can't draw it, but you know that God's there. But there's other expressions inside of this thing that we do where you can, and 
Oh man, if you're new, I'm sorry if I freak you out, but this is just the, this is who we are. There's been moments where we've had angelic visitation in this room numbers of times. You ready for this? Recently. I mean, we don't make a big deal about it because it's, I don't know, it's just what God does. He just shows up. And so there's, there, okay, years ago, there was this, there was this one experience where, uh, you, okay, this ought to make you think. Usually children that are gifted in the spiritual gift of discernment, they can see things a lot better than us old grumpy people. Because we're jaded and we're hardened and, we, you know, life has gotten to us. And, and so we're, we're too grumpy to see what God's doing. It's just unfortunate. But, so maybe we can break off this, the spirit of grumpy. Hmm? Maybe we can begin to have a childlike faith again where we can be able to see in the spirit. Wouldn't you like that? And with that childlike faith comes joy and hope and peace and excitement and fun. Okay, so back years ago, there was a young person that... Um, this saw. I should probably figure this one out. It was either an angel or it was something bad in the building. Most likely it was an angel. And it was um, in the form of like a ball of fire. It was right up here and it went right out the door. And so the kid's like, you know, Grandpa, I, I saw this. Am I going crazy? And he's like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And, but the thing is, somebody else saw the very same thing. So two people can't have the same crazy vision at the same time, independently of one another. Isn't that kind of cool? And so this is, again, this is so important that we get this as a church. Like, your experience could be real. Talk about it. You have to have the... This is the hard part of us introverts that like to keep things to ourselves, that live in our own little world, that have an overactive imagination. We don't like to share stuff. But I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. I want to give you a commission to share your experiences inside of your church family. Not only will it just help you and validate you, or maybe you are crazy. I don't know. But maybe... Okay, but you see what you've got to do. You've got to be able to build in a community of feedback and got to be able to receive. What if you saw something and you just brushed it off as weird, but what if somebody else had the same, you, same experience? So you missed an opportunity to build faith inside of the congregation. When these testimonies come to the head, they build faith. Okay. So you have, some of us have the, the, one of the voices in our head is God's voice. It's a really good one. The other voice is the devil's voice. You've seen the classic cartoons, right? It, it basically is kind of an illustration of your conscience. So you've got the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel on the other shoulder and the good angel's trying to get you to do good things and the bad angel's trying to make you to do naughty things. And so that's somewhat true. That, that is somewhat true. We, we need to realize that in the spiritual world, there are good angels and there's bad angels. There is God the Father. His, he is spirit. He actually created this world, and he created the spiritual world. So he permeates everything, but because of choice, the enemy of God, the Satan, Satan, the guy in the red horns, the, actually the Bible doesn't have him in red horns. doesn't have him in red tights and horns. So we made that up with our own stuff. So we'd have no idea what the devil looks like. All that we do know is he's an archangel that 
funneled God's praises through him like a pipe organ. So he received nature's worship. He received uh, humanity's worship. And, and then he just funneled all of that worship through him and amplified it to God. That was Lucifer's number one job. And he got addicted to that worship. And that's where the pride became that's where the pride came in. And so what the, what the enemy's number one job is to do is destroy worshipers, and that's you. So he wants to destroy you. Here's the good news. The good news is, is that he can only be in one place at one time. That's the good news. The bad news is he's got other little things that can run around and that will try and frustrate you, torment you, keeping, just to keep you from worshiping. If he could distract you enough, thinking, make you think and obsess and, and, and worry about evil all day long, then he's already done his job. The only thing that he wants to do is to keep you from worshiping. Isn't that weird? So the next time you don't feel like getting out of bed to worship, where's that coming from? You know it ain't coming from God. So where does that negative impulse come from? All right, you ready for this one? All right, let's just, I'm going I'm to just go there because I think, I think I'm on on this one. Because I'm not saying this say it to the Lord. I'm just saying experience. Spouses, how many of you have a big old fight on your way to church? Or the night before? Is it just me? Okay, good. Cowards. No, it, it happens all the time. The only time I get into arguments with my wife is on the weekends. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, it's probably because I'm just a guy, and I, I make, make, you know, that, that's part of it. But there's, there is spirit, there, there's things in the spirit that we don't get. And, and again, the number one goal for the enemy is to take us away from worship. He's so jealous. The enemy of God is so jealous of what you do today in singing the Lord's praises. He hates it. So we have the enemy of God's voice in our head. Let's talk about, before we go to the next voice, let's just talk about right and wrong, good and evil. Most of us have a general understanding of what's right and what's wrong, right? Most of us have a moral compass. And when we do things that aren't right, we know that we are doing things that are not right. All of us know that stealing's bad. All of us know that murder is bad. All of us know that lying is bad. All of us know that cheating is bad. All of us know that gossip is bad. So we just, like, you, you know these things, and yet we still do them. Okay, I'm not going after the right or wrong type of discernment. Like, you just, like, read, read the Ten Commandments, and you'll figure it out real quick. Right? If you don't understand what's right and wrong, just read the Ten Commandments. That's what they're there for. Because those ancient guys, they didn't know necessarily between right and wrong. I, I, I don't, we're not quite sure of the, of the condition of their heart. I think that the reason why uh, we, we had these laws written down is because they probably some of them thought that murdering was okay. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. 
Maybe you know some people that think, okay, you know what? It's all about me. So how I get my stuff is completely okay. And that's like not okay. So we don't necessarily need spiritual discernment to dictate what the morals are, right and wrong. You can actually go to your uh, friendly secular humanists and figure out what right and wrong is. It's a golden rule. Jesus' golden rule, do unto others as you've had them do unto you. Uh, that's not a new thought. I mean, oh, Jesus, he highlights it, but every religion has that concept in some form. So it's natural law that we get. So I'm just like, if you're doing bad things, stop. All right, okay? Now, what I'm really concerned about are the greater things, these, these greater decisions. It's the stuff that we, that, that's not right or wrong, but we need God's wisdom and discernment to make the right powerful decision. For example, do you buy the house in Claremont or do you buy the house in Upland? There's no right or wrong, but there is God's choice in that matter, and it's, it requires discernment. It requires a discerning of spirits. Okay, so you understand that like, there's like, I don't want to say it's gray area, but in order to make some really powerful decisions, we need God in that mix to help us decide and understand. All right, so the third voice or the fourth voice is yours. Okay, so um, the, the interesting news about the enemy of God is that, you know, he's only in one place at one time and he's got these little spiritual demons that bug us and torment us, frustrate us. If you're, if, you're really, if you're really dull, you could even get possessed. But the interesting thing is 90, I, would, I don't know, I'm making numbers up. Majority of the time, what really derails us from God's will is not the devil, it's us. We... We make up our own messes most of the time. We don't need Satan's help to mess up our lives. We're doing a great job as it is, right? You know what I discovered in kind of in studying this and going through the word? Uh, I love this again. This just one more little tidbit that shows me how cool the scriptures are, how valid they are, how, how anointed, and this is God's word. Uh, and, the whole narrative is about man turning their back on God over and over and over again, that vicious cycle that we keep on talking about. Rarely do we see the devil in Scripture. He's there a few times. He's there at the garden. He's, you know, it's the talking snake, right? So it's that talking snake that, that deceives Adam and Eve. And when that happens, he's gone. Like, there's, there's maybe in Job, but like the devil torments Job, but the devil doesn't like trick Job. Here's the fascinating thing about our scriptures, our, our ancient literature. All the other ancient literature dealt with this idea of trickster gods or little you know, minions that are messing up humanity with the exception of our ancient scriptures. So if this was like, a, I don't know, the Iliad or the Odyssey or 
you know, uh, Beowulf or something like that. There's always like this, this little, there's a spirit that deceives people. But in the word of God, it's not necessarily little demons that are always deceiving people. It's men deceiving men. And here's the thing about listening to your own voice that is going inside of your mind right now. Because it's so, it can be so dangerous. Because we can believe our own lies. I'm guilty of this. Most of us are guilty of this. Whenever we make bad decisions or we behave poorly, we have this, descendant, this tendency to push off blame off of ourselves and push it on to the devil when the devil had nothing to do with it. We did it. And coming to the realization that we did this is what we call repentance. And when we repent, we get free of it. We get free of it. And we begin to, and if you just submit to what God's vision is, and that he, like he is the one that's going to supply all of our needs, not us, then we begin to really, really experience and walk in power. All right, let me get a couple of scriptures up. Okay, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your hearts, okay, heart is the, it's the house of the spirit, the very inner being of who you are. I mean, we just refra- let me paraphrase this. I pray that the eyes of your spirit may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his, in glory, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So here's the thing. In the spirit realm, you need to know that your spirit has eyes to see. Jesus says, okay, if you would just open up your eyes, you would see. You have ears, how come you're not listening? What do you see? All of the major spiritual revelations in the Bible, you guys gotta catch this, this is so important. This is what you need for your life. Uh, Every time that the spirit realm is exposed in the Bible, There's a revelation in the Bible. That revelation is opened up by God and not the devil. That revelation is primarily God saying, look, I want you to see my kingdom. I want you to see what's possible. There's more to this life than your physical and your your material experience. Most of us live in a constant state of fear and frustration because we haven't taken the time to stop and to pause and to see what God is doing and where he's at. Most of us have not activated the eyes of our heart so where we can actually see in the spirit. If we were able to see in the spirit, we would notice that the devil's not doing a whole lot. He doesn't have a whole lot of power. But God's got all the power. So look, maybe this story, you guys know this story. Maybe this will put it into perspective. This is uh, 2 Kings 6.15. And this is the story of Elisha being hunted down by uh, some king. Doesn't like what he was doing. Didn't like that Elijah was prophesying, declaring God's goodness verbally, creating things with his words. So this king 
Maybe he was influenced by the enemy of God, or maybe he was just being a king. He wants Elijah dead, and he's unleashing all of his power to catch him. All right, so this is 2 Kings 6, uh, starting at verse 15. And, and Elijah has a Padawan learner, okay? So he's got a, he's got a sidekick. He's got, he's got an understudy. He's got an apprentice. When the servant of the man of God got up, and he went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And this is what the Padawan learner says. Oh, no! There might have been some other expletives in there. <laughs> oh, man. Dang. Shoot, my lord. What are we going to do? And this is, like, you've all have had this experience. You are up against the wall. You have no way out. You are, you're done. You're toast. You're going you're, you're gonna to lose it. You're going to die. You're going to lose everything. And this is the natural this is the natural thing that says that we say that comes out of our mouth. Oh no, I'm done for. And you begin to declare these negative things, okay? So the prophet answered, verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elijah prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may. See, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, angel armies, folks, all around Elisha. So this is so cool. This is, like, this is, there's something called, okay, so the servant actually had the gift of spiritual discernment, meaning he, Here's the good news. Everybody's got this. And if you don't have it, you can get it. Because if you were here last week, the Bible says that, that, that we eagerly need to desire all of the gifts. So some of us get it, and some of us can get it. But we all have the ability to see in the Spirit. That like, just like Paul says in Ephesians, the eyes of our heart need to be activated so that we can see in the Spirit, so that our problems are not our problems. We become our problems, and all of a sudden we just surrender to God's will, and they are all taken care of. What Elijah does to his apprentice is he lays his hands on his eyes, and he says, open your eyes so that you can see. Here's the amazing thing. The kid already has the eyes. The kid already has the the vision. They just haven't been activated yet. They get activated by the laying on of hands. There is an impartation, there's an activation that the prophet performs. And he begins to see. And this material army is nothing compared to the spiritual army of God. Huh? What do you think? There's, there's angels that are on your side. Most likely a lot of them. Bible tells us that a third of the angels fell and became demons. So that means that the two-thirds are good. Odds are really good. And our population keeps growing, right? So that means that there's just less and less demons to afflict you these days. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good news. I think the good news is that we're winning. Let's just open up our eyes so that we can see. All right, so how do we do it? Let me just talk about three things real quick. 
one. Discerning of spirits is so vital and so crucial. Like I said earlier, one, you need to be in community. You need to be able to share these things. There needs to be levels of trust. You can't do discernment of spirits on your own, in a vacuum. You're not uh, the guy from Kung Fu, who's the lone wolf, that travels the world and goes on adventures. That, that's not the Christian lifestyle. These things cannot be done inside of a vacuum. They have, we have to be the body. We have to be able to feed back and forth. I encourage you to get into a, a group. I mean, it's even like a regular group. And then you just, you have spiritual conversations here and there. You've got to be able to bounce this stuff off each other. And you've got to be willing, willing to be wrong. I, if you get a word... If you get a, a vision or a picture and you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk. I'm going to share that with somebody. It's okay and probably preferable to say, do you think that that was from God or was that just my own desires? You can even have good desires. Like, you know, I have a really good word for Stu. He's going to become president of the United States. That could be true or it could not be true. Um, but the truth is, I didn't receive that from the Lord right now. I just like Stu. Does that make sense? And so we have this tendency to declare things, either good or bad, that aren't true. So when you, when you in the area of discerning of spirits, okay, I'm going to give you some pointers. It's something that I've seen for a long time. Don't, and this, goes, this is true for prophetic. This is true from words of knowledge. So we're going to see some bleed over here in the spiritual gifts. Okay, don't receive words of knowledge. Don't receive words of wisdom. Don't receive uh, words uh, of discernment from lone wolves. Don't receive anything from God that comes from a person that won't worship corporately. Don't receive anything from a person that says, you know what, I don't need to be a part of the church. I can connect with God in my own way under this tree all by myself. You can't. I'm sorry. We're too messed up to do that. We just, we're just too messed up to do it. Now, I do want you to get alone and get under a tree and be with God and then come down off that mountain and then be with the people. Like, that's how God really wired us. Don't receive, okay, you wouldn't, get, you wouldn't um, get business advice from a crook, right? Okay, likewise, don't get spiritual advice. <laughs> oh, wait, this should be a no-duh, but I know what happens. Don't get spiritual advice from horoscopes, eight balls, um, Ouija, Ouija boards are really bad. Um, what, Madame Tussaud, what are those tarot card readers, like, like, don't mess around with that. Here's the thing. You, if you do that, you will go into a spiritual realm. You'll just be in a neighborhood that's going to beat you up. You can go into a spiritual realm by taking some really good drugs. You can. If we built a fire and we started dancing around and breathing really heavy, I can get you to go into a spiritual state. It won't be a healthy one, but 
we are, we are required to go into a spiritual state. We need to teach our church this. We need to teach our kids this. Because if we don't, the New Age movement will. And so when you receive words, make sure it's not done in a vacuum. When you give words, make sure you're doing it out of character and you're not a lone wolf. Secondly, you need to be in the word of God. You need to be in this Bible because this is the objective truth. There's going to be nothing that, that, that's going to contradict this word. You're never going to get a word from God that says, oh, I'll just leave your wife. This is, you're not going to get that. Oh, it's okay. You're, you're God's special anointed one. You can, you know, you can get away with uh, sexual misconduct because you're special. And ain't in the Bible. Ask King David. King David did some sexual misconduct stuff. Read where that got him. God's not okay with it. God makes no exceptions. So we got to be in this word. Like it just, like you need to eat it. Like, like you need to eat that scroll. You need to eat that word of God. You get it deep down inside you. And then the next thing, and this is probably the hardest part of this whole walk on this whole journey, is that you really need to be mindful. I even hate using that word because that's, that's becoming a new age word now, mindful. I think it was our word first. You need to be rational and reasonable with these impulses, these, these desires, these spiritual leanings that you get, and you need to know your own stuff. If you walk into an environment, okay, this is a great example. Um, went over, when I was a kid, uh, doing church life, I went over to this family's house, and, you know, I, I was bored, you know, I'm seven years old, and I got to go there with mom and dad, they don't have any kids, you know, and they're just doing church life, whatever, and in their house were clowns, ooh, not just, reg- I got clowns everywhere, not just regular clowns, but velvet clowns, they might have even had a velvet Elvis. <laughs> and there was some cartoon that I watched as a little kid that jacked me up psychologically towards clowns. And so me going in that environment, me being freaked out by clowns, and then all of a sudden I'm surrounded by clowns, guess what I did? I discerned improperly based on my environment. Because these people were amazing. They just happened to like clowns. Because they like clowns doesn't make them evil, right? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We take our own, some people are thinking, yeah, clowns are kind of evil. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is we take our own experience, our own garbage, our own hurts, habits, hangups, whatever, and then we can easily project those into spiritual discernment, and a lot of times they're just not true. So we have to be honest with ourselves. Is it, you know, Lord, is this person a good person or a bad person, or is it just me interpreting and filtering through my pain and dysfunction? You've got to be honest with yourselves. You really have to be honest with yourselves in the discerning of spirits. And it goes with the same with prophecy, and it goes with words of knowledge. Maybe I'll flesh this out more. But, like, it's irresponsible for us to flex spiritual power over people when we're dealing with our own stuff. We need to get our house in order in order to truly function with this gift. All right, and then the last thing, the last thing that is so important. Um, 
whether you're receiving divine words, discernment, and this is what we got in our prayer time this morning, is that there needs to be, you need to be in a spiritual rhythm of life. Like, if you're, and this is, I'm not going after church attendance here. I'm going after your spiritual health. Like, this is so crucial. Like, if, you're, if your worship attendance is only once a month, you should not be prophesying, you should not be giving words of knowledge, and you should not be discerning of spirits because you're out of the rhythm. There's a spiritual rhythm. This is why we have Sabbath. This is why we rebuild our lives. We flip, we, we, we flip the, the canvas around and we look at the, the needlework on the other side. It's so important that what you're doing here is, is vital. You've got to get into the spiritual rhythm. And you need to like, our mission of our church, relationship, not religion. You need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And it's not like this hyper-spiritual stuff. Get a chair. Get an empty chair. Okay, this is going to be good for guys that are not spiritual. Right? Do it in the car. This is, this is what I do. This is what I do as a guy to connect with Jesus. Um, even though Jesus is in the driver's seat, I know that's like practically not possible when I'm driving. So I got Jesus next to me. This just sounds weird. Like, like I have an imaginary friend. I don't have an imaginary friend. I have a real friend, and his name's Jesus. I just can't see him. He's in the seat next to me. Guys, do this. Please do this, men. Please have a conversation with Jesus, like a real one, like as if he's there. He can be buddy Jesus. That's completely okay because Jesus calls us friends. Uh, he can be boss Jesus because that's completely legitimate because he is the boss of your life. You have allowed him to boss you around. I'm sorry but you do not own this body. It belongs to Jesus because he paid for it. So he's your boss. He's your Lord. You can have this conversation with the king, but you need to begin to talk to him as if he is there. When you come to church, you need to come to church as if he is here. You need to come to church expecting and breathing in and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. Another word says that from this morning is that you need to feel the hairs in the back of your neck stand up when you worship God because you are in a holy place. I need to get the band to come up to the front. Come on up. And I get the band up and the ushers to come to the front too. The benefits of the discerning of spirits and spiritual discernment is that you will be able to make wise decisions. You will be able to walk in confidence, in power. You'll be able to shed off stuff that's holding you back. Oh my gosh, this discerning of spirits, even though like, there's not conferences that are done on this. This is not one of the fancy ones. Again, this is one of the introverted gifts. It is so powerful, and most of us in this church are gifted this way. Activate it. Begin to see with the eyes of your heart. Begin that conversation with Jesus. Know that he's there. And in those gray areas, do I buy this house? Do I buy this house? Do I marry this person? Do I marry that person? Well, then you begin to make those decisions in wisdom. Do I listen to this voice? Do I listen to that voice? God, is this you or is this me? God, is this the devil or is this you? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves in our prayer time. All right, let's pray. 
God, right now, we just thank you so much. And I pray right now that you open up the eyes of our hearts. God, Jesus says, open up your ears so that you can hear. So there's a multi-sensory thing that goes on when we are discerning of spirits. So some of you are going to see in the spirit. God, I pray right now, like, uh, okay, get weird. Just put your, put your eyes on, put your hand on your eyes. And God, right now, we just pray that there would just be an impartation of visual sight. May the eyes of our heart begin to see things that are in the spirit. God, the, the, the warning signs, but more importantly, the blessings that are waiting on the other side. And God, right now, I pray for those that are more auditory learners. God, I pray right now that, that that gifting will just be opened up and there will be a divine hearing where they'll be able to hear the word of God. Not only will it just be impressions from God, but there will also be an audible voice from God because you've called us to walk in new dimensions in the realm of God, in the spirit realm. And so God, not only can we see it, but maybe we'll be able to hear it too. And in the night seasons, in, the, in your dreamings, you're gonna be able to hear the word of God. Not only hear it, but you're going to be able to see those pictures of him too. Also, the, there's, there's the sense of touch. Who says he can't experience God by touching? Like there's just going to be a divine, tangible uh, expression of God's goodness, of his kingdom. You're going to feel it. It's going to, it's going to flow over you. Some of you are even going to just feel like water pouring over you or even oil pouring over you. And it's like, you can't see it, but you feel it. And that's God moving in you right now. So this week, I want to encourage you just to begin to walk this stuff out. Like have a, have a real conversation with Jesus. God, what are you, Jesus, what am I doing? Where should we go? Where should we drive? Who should I talk to? And he's gonna, he's gonna begin to speak to you and you're gonna be able to hear his voice. So God, right now, we just pray you bless this offering. God, we offer our, our, our lives to you right now in this basket because these are not our lives. This is your life and we submit them to you. We give you our bodies, God. We give you our will. We give you our desire. We give you our talents. And God, we thank you for giving us spiritual gifts to do the things that we can't do in our own power. God bless us. Amen.